0: But bring it down to a real level because we are drawing near, we are celebrating in our Christian calendar um, the time when God came to be one of us, the incarnation, God with us, Emmanuel. And there is so much breadth and depth of understanding of what that means um, that I think is really helpful. And I really want to help you have a greater revelation of the wonder of God become human being in the person of Jesus so last week we talked about kenosis and the idea that God self-emptied himself and that perhaps that wasn't a one-time event but it's the nature of God that he is eternally self-emptying and that that leads into our own spirituality a sense that we can voluntarily be self-emptying and in doing that we engage the character in the nature of God but also in the times when we find ourselves absolutely, completely and utterly empty and spent, that that is not necessarily a bad place to be, but it's actually the place of the blessing of God because God chooses to self-empty. And so when we are empty, there's more room for God to fill us up. So that was last week with Kenosis. And um, this week, I just want to briefly share um, a few thoughts around the incarnation as enfleshment which is really just another name for the Incarnation, but sounds a bit more saucy. Um, The enfleshment of God. In uh, John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or in the Message translation, Eugene Peterson translated it as, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. I think this is one of the most profound um, ideas, like kind of profound truths of our God, that God put on flesh and came to be one of us, that God didn't want to just stand at a distance from us as humans and somehow rescue us from a distance, but he actually came, put on skin and bone, flesh and blood, to be one of us, to experience the fullness of what it meant to be human in order to rescue us on every level from our own brokenness. This is just, like, amazing. And once you con- contemplate it, once you sink your teeth into it, once you kind of reflect on this, it does amazing things for your sense of God, your sense of closeness, your sense of who Jesus was. It's wonderful. In um, Genesis chapter 1, when we have the poems around the creation of the world... God said these things uh, in his word about the making of mankind. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. When God made humanity, we were made male, female, flesh and blood, somehow in the image and the likeness of God. Theologians debate exactly what that term means and what part of us it relates to, and we don't need to go there tonight. But what we do need to kind of have a deep understanding about is that when God created us and He saw us, He said it was very good. We are very good. Slap your body. And say, You are very good. You are very, we are very good. The way we were made is very good. Now, for some reason, I think the message of the goodness of our humanity, the message of the goodness of our flesh and blood, has been incredibly lost in our history of of faith. Because Christians have a very odd relationship with flesh extremely dysfunctional if you were to kind of track some of the trajectory of how we've handled our own flesh we've not done so good right from the beginning despite the fact that it's very good and that our God chose to actually put on flesh in order to reach us we have somehow kind of like rejected flesh and kind of divided ourselves up somehow and seen our spiritual nature as somehow holy and godly, but our flesh is sort of almost something to overcome or to escape. And I mean, historically, there's been all kinds of strange things happen with flesh. Let me read you this quote. Um, Few issues have caused the church more difficulty through the ages than those surrounding the human body. Throughout much of Christian history, spiritual seekers have considered the body to be, at best, a hindrance to spiritual enlightenment and, at worst, an enemy to be suppressed. Many of our contemporary negative preoccupations with physical appearance, image and sexuality derive from this ancient and habitual denial of the notion that we were created in God's image. Historically, we've just messed up this big time. So, you know, throughout history, we've had such things as the Silas. Anyone know what the Silas is? The Silas, uh, that's how I'm pronouncing it. I may be totally saying it wrong. Um, was that horrible, scratchy undergar- undergarment that Christians would wear you know, at best it might just be made out of sackcloth because there's a whole lot of stuff about sackcloth in, sackcloth in the Bible, so we, we better embrace that, right? Um, literally. So it, at, at best it was just made out of, of, of scratchy material. At worst it had like barbed wire or other sharp, before wire, I don't know, bone and teeth and nasty things sewn into it. Now you would wear it under your normal clothes in order to just remind yourself of just how horrible you are, that your flesh is terrible, that you're an awful sinner, that you need to somehow, you know, like suppress and overcome this horrid flesh bag of bone and blood in order to be holy and reach God. So so that's a part of our, you know, Christian heritage and one that probably everyone in this room would be happy is Confined to the historic bin. You know, on the other end of the, uh, even bigger than that was is the whole flagellation thing, which is where you literally whip yourself um, in order to somehow do penance or to overcome your flesh or to tame your desires. Or I'm sure, it had many things. And of course, we've got a lovely verse in scripture that can encourage all those people who like to flagellate. And what is it? Does anyone? Can anyone? Off the top of their head, Paul's, I beat my body and I make it my slave. Yeah? It's in the Bible, folks. Get out your whips. No. So we've used portions of scripture um, to to kind of really either suppress our flesh or at worst entirely and punish our flesh in order that somehow we might become um, holy. In some way however the incarnation the enfleshment of God is the complete opposite theology of that and what it says is that this is it says that if God was willing to put on human flesh not only is it very good but it is now holy and dignified because God himself was willing to become like us. So no longer can we just see our flesh, our bodies, our very Im- our bodyliness as something to kind of escape or overcome. It has all of a sudden become the meeting place of God. Our flesh, that God chose to put on flesh, does not demean God, but it makes our bodies holy because we have become the meeting place of God. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 to 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Honour God with your bodies. Your bodies have become the dwelling place, the temple of the Most High God. Therefore, honour God with your flesh A lot of the times that verse is kind of used to kind of berate us against unholy uses of our flesh and sure we often do those and sometimes need to be reminded but I think this verse also what it's challenging us to do is not just use this verse as a don't do that naughty stuff because God lives in you but it's actually like see your body as holy, see your very flesh as the meeting place of God and because This is the place that God meets with you. Treat your bodies with respect and dignity because God himself took on flesh. I love this quote from Frederick Buchner. The incarnation is a kind of vast joke whereby the creator of the ends of the earth comes among us in diapers or nappies. Unless we too have taken the idea of the God-man seriously enough to be scandalised by it, we have not taken it as seriously as it demands to be taken. That God would put on flesh, that's a scandal to most other religions because they cannot conceive. Of I just think with things like this, with this kind of, Vast and deep and wide and holy theology. You just need to let your imagination go a little bit creative when you think about God putting on flesh. So don't like just see it as black and white words in the Bible that you need to somehow believe in or some kind of creedal statement we adhere to. You've got to let your imagination sink deeply into the idea that God put on flesh. God had skin... God had an immune system. God had a psyche and a mind and a brain. God had a brain. And you can think about that for a while. God had a sexuality when he became Jesus. God felt bone weary. God needed to rest. God Got fluff in his belly button and dirt between his toes. God, before he went to sleep at night, did that thing where you just peel the fluff out between your toes. God did that. God got wax in his ears. It might have gotten a bit itchy. God had to cut his fingernails. I mean, you don't don't ever see pictures of Jesus on the cross with huge, long, curly claws, do you? No, because he cut his fingernails along the way, just like you do. God's heart ached and it longed. You know that feeling when your heart longs or your heart aches? God had fight or flight responses happen in his brain and his body. He had adrenaline surges. He got butterflies in his stomach just the same way that we do when we encounter, you know, things. That, that, Jesus had that. He wasn't like immune from the human experience. This is what our theology says. God, was not, God did not consider himself immune from the human experience, but he put on skin and, and bone and became one of us to experience the fullness of our humanity, to experience all of it, all the feelings. And so everything you and I experience in our human condition, the incarnation means that God has experienced it too. That's phenomenal. Callistos Ware says this, the Christian message of salvation can best be summed up in terms of sharing, of solidarity and identification. Christ shares to the full in what we are and so he makes it possible for us to share in what he is. He is the bond and the meeting point. Because he is man, he is one with us. Because he is God, he is one with the Father. So, so through and in him, we are one with God and the Father's glory becomes our glory. This is the, the reality of the incarnation. Next week when we talk about this, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into what the early church fathers said that which is not assumed is not healed. So in other words, God had to assume the fullness of human experience in order to heal the fullness of human experience. And so the incarnation means that every part of our humanity has been healed and redeemed by God, not from a distance but from within. That's incredible when you start to think about what that means for our own healing and wholeness. But that sense of solidarity, that sense of god become one of us, that sense of God not standing at a distance from us but actually putting on flesh. That thing he said was very good, very good. Becoming one of us in order to reach us is just incredible. It's just worthy of our worship. It means our humanity is holy and dignified. It means our human experience is holy and dignified because Jesus chose to experience it. It means that all the things that we can battle and rage against in our own bodies, in our own minds and in our own emotions, we no longer are alone in any way, shape or form, but we have one who identifies with us and is with us in it. That's remarkable. And it means that our flesh, like I said before, is not something to just ignore or overcome, but is actually the place of encounter. The only way you encounter the goodness, the grace, the beauty, the mercy, the love of God is in this thing. So thank the Lord for it, because you're not a disembodied spirit floating around having some weirdo spiritual experience with God. Your flesh and bone, blood, body encountering the Most High God in your flesh. So stop hating your bodies, stop fighting your bodies, stop loathing your skin, stop resisting your emotions because God decided the best thing for him was to become just like you and put it all on and, yes, redeem it from the inside but only by experiencing it as he went. And I think this is so important because in our World today, we are so dysfunctional with our bodies, and there is so much brokenness, so much self harm, so much self hatred, so much dieting, so much resistance, so much, um, you know, categorizing of everything from disabled to, to, to like able bodied. We're so comparative with our bodies, and yet I think the truth of our spirituality and the truth of Jesus and the incarnation means that we can just end all of that and find healing and wholeness in our flesh and blood and in our bodies and, and find ourselves becoming the meeting place of God. Like when we realise that, that this, this flesh thing, this flesh experience, this life, this stuff that we carry, this, all these feelings that we have, all these mental things that we encounter, they're not just stuff to ignore or overcome, they're the place where we encounter the goodness of God. So we can begin to thank God for our very flesh and blood, for our experience, because it's in that place we meet him. So thinking about this and this kind of theology for me, let me just share how, this, how I apply this and how it becomes from like, oh, that's a nice thought to think about on a Sunday afternoon to something that can actually become a part of your own spiritual experience. What this has meant for me, and I feel like in the last couple of years, this kind of thinking, the the solidarity of Jesus with me, the identification of God with my flesh, the reality that God is not just distant from me, but God is alongside me in the person of Jesus and he is within, within me in the person of the Holy Spirit. So like, this is what I'm talking about, how what's been happening in my spirituality I've just been engaging the presence of God as Jesus alongside me and engaging the reality of God as the Holy Spirit within me so what it has meant is that every felt experience that I have through any day I now know that I can choose to see it as the place of identification with God and solidarity because not only is it something that I have felt but I know it's also something that God has felt so when I'm feeling annoyed with the lady in the car next to me I also know that Jesus had encounters like that now he might not have rolled his eyes Cheryl I'm sure he didn't But I, you know, all of a sudden it's not just like, oh, that's just such a human thing and I have to put up with it. It's actually, wow, God. God would have felt a little bit annoyed with people. They didn't have cars, but I don't know. What, horses, donkeys, camels? I don't know, I don't know. He would have had that, you know, like frustration with the every... So how did he do it? So when I'm feeling frustrated, I'm no longer alone in my frustration... I know that God has felt frustrated. So that makes me feel a whole lot better, just about my own feeling. And then it gives me permission to invite God in and ask the question So, God, what did you do when you felt like this? Right. So, when I feel sad, when I feel absolutely exhausted, when I feel like that, I know Jesus has felt like this. Jesus has felt so tired that he's fallen asleep in a boat in the middle of the storm. That's tired. So when I'm utterly exhausted and I feel like I've got nothing left in me, I'm not alone. Jesus is alongside me and the Holy Spirit is within me and they're not just observing me from a distance, but they know how it feels like. So when I come to God and I say, oh, I'm just so bone-weary, Jesus would be like, oh, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. And all of a sudden, I feel like connected into the presence of God. When you bumped your head on the bunk bed, oh, Jesus knows what that feels like. He was building bunk beds. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, how many times has he whacked himself? He knows what it feels like to just be human and be whacked. Like... And he was whacked a lot later on in life. But, yeah, like the accidental whacking. When I, you know, everything that I feel. When I had my knee surgery and I was sitting up in bed feeling completely and utterly limited by my own body, I could no longer do the things that I could just normally do with my body, like walk up the stairs. Or, like, kind of do anything. I can't, I still can't kneel on the ground. I There, there, there are limitations that my body has. And I feel frustrated with my body and there are things that I wish it could do that I know it just doesn't do and I can just sit there in my own frustration or I can invite Jesus into that because I think Jesus knows what it feels like to be frustrated by a body. I think Jesus knows what it feels like to be limited by aching muscles, by weary bones, by wishing he could do more than what his body could allow him to do, or even on occasion, I'm sure, having the odd sensing that one time he was beyond a body, but now he's kind of confined to it. So Jesus knows what it feels like. So when I'm feeling like that, no longer do I just have to like rant and rave against it or somehow summon up some kind of ethereal patience. Oh, the patience. I can just feel the very solidarity of Jesus in my experience. Jesus knows what this feels like. So, Jesus, just come and sit with me in my weird bodily dysfunction. Ugh, oh, let's be together. And in that place, I pray. It's a lot easier to pray when you feel like the very God of the universe knows exactly how you feel and is sitting right next to you in your own feelings. You know, and not only with physical stuff, but emotional stuff. Do you think Jesus was immune from emotional experience? Do you think God, in his wisdom, thought, no, look, I'll only give him the highs. I won't let him experience any of those low emotional things because, oh, my goodness, those humans with their low emotions. No, Jesus felt it all. So when you're feeling low, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling down, when you feel like you can't get out of bed, when you're feeling overwhelmed and totally stressed out, Jesus knows how you feel. And you can encounter the solidarity of Jesus in your flesh. This is the wonder of the incarnation. So I have just started to, with anything that I'm feeling at any time, and not just the low things, but the good things. When you're dancing around your lounge room with your kids and to silly music, Jesus knows what that feels like too. Maybe not on Bluetooth speakers. Those feelings are all the same, you know. Whether <laughs> he knows what that the, he knows what that joy feels like. He knows what it is to be lost in the moment, and it's a good thing because. Flesh is honoured by God. It's the meeting place of God. So whatever you're feeling, I would encourage you to start saying, God knows what this feels like. And invite Jesus to be alongside you because he is God with us. Not God standing apart from us and observing from the outside, but God feeling everything from the inside and redeeming it as he went. It's the solidarity of Jesus in our full human condition. I've started to realise that if this is true and God says that flesh is really good and and God was willing to put on skin and become like me, then my body is holy and I should treat it like it is. So that means I look after it in all manner of ways. And that things like self-care, you know, taking time to rest, they're not like symptoms of laziness which our world would often like to tell us that productivity and busyness and everything is awesome. but actually looking after my body is a holy thing because God had a body and He looked after His. So I've started to realize that doing things that are like that, it's actually a holy spiritual thing to do to look after ourselves. And the other thing that it's done for me, I think when you start to just really consider the incredibleness of God taking on skin, that flesh is holy, and that bodies are important. It has really led me to realize more and more that I can engage it on a level where I say my body is important and my feelings are the meeting place of God and I can encounter God in every way in my own human flesh. But when I get that, I also have to realize that that's the true for every other human being on this earth that their body is holy and their flesh has dignity and no longer can I just treat other people in my mind or actually or in any way with my politics or my prayers or in anything as that I'm better than anyone else. But it's led me into a greater um, solidarity with every human person in their condition. Greater compassion, greater awareness that I can't just choose to stick my head in the sand for when other bodies are being violated I have to choose as a fellow embodied person through whom God moves to work out what it means to be a person of peace and mercy and justice in this world, not only for my body but for everyone else's body because God made flesh and he made it holy. So there are some of the things that has happened as I've just kind of like been ruminating on this amazing incarnation, the enfleshment of God, that God took on flesh and he didn't see it as naughty Dirty or something to be overcome, but he put it on and he enjoyed it, and so should we. And what he became the bond and meeting place of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of man, therefore, our flesh in every way is the meeting place of God and humankind. And we should connect with that more and more and thank the Lord for our bodies. All the limitations, all the strengths, all the weakness, all the promise, all the hopes, all the dreams, all the frustrations. It's all a place to encounter the glory of God, wherever we are. Yeah? Well, let's pray. I want you to just close your eyes. I imagine that in this room, each one of us could tell a different story about the relationship with our own bodies. You have... A relationship with your own body and I don't know the ins and outs of what that is I don't know how much you love your body I don't know how much you hate your body I don't know the ways in which you choose to love and look after your flesh And I don't know the ways in which at times you may have punished your flesh for whatever reason. But I want to say these words over you tonight that God created you, that He knit you together. That he made all of your body systems to work together. That he knows that sometimes those body systems, they don't work the way they're supposed to. And he knows that that gives us grief and pain Frustration. But even still, he saw humanity, human flesh, so holy and so dignified as to put it on himself in order that he might be the meeting place of God and humankind. So, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us for all the ways that we have hated our flesh, for the ways that we have abused or punished our flesh, for the ways that we have ignored our bodies. Lord Jesus, let our contemplation of the incarnation lead us to a greater awareness that our bodies are holy and dignified, and that we can meet with you in every way, in every felt experience. And not only are you with us in all that we feel, but Lord Jesus, you bring us wholeness and healing into every part of our bodies. And so we say, Lord God, help us to treat our bodies as holy Help us to realise that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Help us to encounter you in deeper and fuller ways in our very flesh and bones. Holy Spirit, just continue to bring healing to those of us who need healing In our bodies, in our minds, in our emotions, we bring ourselves fully before you and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to keep flooding our bodies.